0: Welcome to the Sullivan County Democrat Podcast, brought to you by the Kitchen Table Cafe in Calicoon, New York. Check out their Instagram or Facebook to see what fresh in-house baked goods they're whipping up. I'm Managing Editor Joe Abraham, and here are some of this week's top stories. Following legislation enacted by the state, the New York State Police, in conjunction with the Division of Criminal Justice Services, have issued details about recent changes to New York State firearm laws. Sullivan County Clerk Russell Reeves said, For anyone that chooses to apply for a pistol permit on September 1st or after, there's a new set of rules. Changes to training, application forms, and social media account disclosure, just to name a few, are some areas impacted. The new regulations, effective September 1st, ban people from carrying guns in over 25 public and private places. The United States Supreme Court recently sided with gun owners who sued the state about its concealed carry laws. Stated Reeves, the bill enacted by the state legislature and signed by the governor is designed to further restrict people from legally carrying weapons in certain public places, including but not limited to large crowd events, public transportation, and establishments that serve alcohol. Reeves said that one of the hot topics is whether current Sullivan County concealed carry permit holders have to take the newly required 16 hour gun training course and two hour live fire firearm safety training course. Reeves said, quote, The Department of Criminal Justice Services information says no. If you have a license in good standing, you don't have to take the training. If an applicant only wants to possess a firearm in their residence, they are also not required to take the firearm safety training course. Furthermore, you have to recertify every three years with the state police. The training course covers gun safety, range safety rules, firearms safe storage requirements, state and federal gun laws, concealed carry situational awareness of surroundings, and conflict de-escalation tactics. Following completion of the 16 hour in-person classroom instruction, each student must demonstrate proficiency by achieving a minimum score of 80% on a written test covering the course curriculum. The two hours of live firearms training conducted by an authorized instructor will cover range safety, safe drawing, target acquisition, and reholstering, and safe loading and unloading of ammunition, among other topics. Afterwards, a pistol permit applicant must take a live fire assessment. Under the new law, applicants have to provide local officials with a list of current and former social media accounts from the previous three years. It will be up to the local sheriff, staff, judges, or county clerks to review those profiles to check whether applicants have made statements suggesting dangerous behavior. Additionally, the new legislation requires individuals to obtain a license prior to purchasing a semi-automatic rifle. New York state law states that individuals must be 21 years or older to acquire a gun license. Anyone who lawfully acquired a semi-automatic rifle prior to September 4, 2022 will not be required to obtain a semi-automatic rifle license and can continue to possess that rifle. If you leave your gun unattended in a vehicle, it must be unloaded and locked in a fire, impact, and tamper-resistant storage depository that is hidden from view, Reeves explained, glove compartments are not considered appropriate safe storage depositories. A plastic or aluminum lockable hard-sided gun case or safe will suffice, according to the new rules. If an adult remains with the vehicle to ensure security, a case or safe is not required. Reeves noted that his office is here to help and serve permit holders and applicants. We want them to understand that this is a state process, he said. The clerk's office is only responsible for reviewing and processing paperwork. Decisions are not made in my office. There will be an adjustment period with all the changes, and we ask for your patience. More info on the new gun law can be found at gunsafety.ny.gov. In other news, for the past 20 years, a citizens group known as the Friends of the Toronto Reservoir has fought to keep public access to the reservoir free and open to all people. They say their efforts continue today to ensure the reservoir remains accessible to the public in the years and decades ahead. The Reservoir and Beach are a public recreation area in the town of Bethel, Toronto, is several one of several hydroelectric facilities operated by Eagle Creek Renewable Energy. According to Eagle Creek's license with the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, they've required to provide they're required to provide and maintain public access to the reservoir. More than a dozen Friends of the Toronto Reservoir members gathered at the public access point off Line Grove Road last week to commemorate the anniversary and remember those they've lost over the years chairperson Nino Nanarone, started out by remembering members who have passed away since the group formed in 2002, including Dr. Herman Goldfarb, Harold Saltzman, and Herman Wiener. I just want to remember those people who fought and really struggled for this thing Nannerone said, he carried with him a binder filled with newspaper article cataloging their fight since 2002 to keep public access to the reservoir open. They've held demonstrations and gone to court many times over the past two decades against private property developers and three different utility companies that have operated hydroelectric facility on the reservoir. Nanarone and other members are calling on Eagle Creek to better maintain the public access road off of Pine Grove Road, which has many potholes and routinely floods in at least one section. It has been a long, drawn-out, and needless fight, said Bob Barrett, a founding member of Friends of the Toronto Reservoir, referring to actions over the years that have restricted public access. When you know that you have the law on your side, you're supposed to know that that law is going to prevail. But it does not prevail when you do not get the support of those who are supposed to enforce the law, he said. Friends of the Toronto Reservoir says the issue now is to ensure the public access road is inspected and maintained twice a year, and that a walking path is created that safely leads from the parking area down to the beach, Currently, visitors must walk down the gravel boat launch to reach the beach, which Nanarone says can be dangerous. The fight is not over, he said. Mark Gross, senior vice president of operations at Eagle Creek, said that maintaining the Toronto Reservoir public access road has been a challenge. We did maintenance work on the road this spring and filed a compliance report with our regulator. still have a beaver problem, which floods the road periodically. We have obtained a permit to trap and remove the beavers and are currently working with the adjacent landowner where the beavers are impacting the natural water flow to obtain permission to conduct this activity. We appreciate Friends of the Toronto Reservoir's interest in this area and will continue to maintain the access road as required. Eagle Creek was recently acquired by Ontario Power Generation, a Canadian company based out of Toronto. Gross says they're in the final steps of a year-long relicensing process with FERC, which is currently under review. A letter from... Bethel Town Clerk Rita Sheehan, by order of the Town Board, reads, "Quote: It is hard to believe that this summer marks 20 years since the issue to keep the Toronto Reservoir open to the public was started and fought for. The Toronto Reservoir is now, thankfully, open to the public. We appreciate all of the work friends of the Toronto Reservoir and individuals have accomplished to make sure the work license is enforced. The latest preliminary job data from the New York State Department of Labor for July 2022 yielded positive news for Sullivan County on a couple of fronts. First, three counties, Sullivan, Putnam, and Rockland, were tied for the lowest unemployment rate in the Hudson Valley region at 3.2%. Second, within the region, Sullivan County's private sector job growth grew fastest year-over-year, up 11.6%. That number gives the county the second fastest year-over-year growth of 24 counties in the state, which are under the small counties category, with Sullivan training only Hamilton County, who saw a 23.1% year-over-year growth rate from July 2021 to 2022. Head to scdemocratonline.com for more info about the latest job numbers. And finally, fuel sales at the Sullivan County International Airport, which sits on 600-plus acres of land in the town of Bethel, were almost $400,000 in 2021. With four months remaining in 2022, they've already surpassed last year's totals, as fuel sales currently sit around $546,377. To say that we're having a banner year for sales is a little bit of an understatement, says Airport Superintendent James Arnott. Some folks will point to the fact that prices have increased. However, our gallonage has increased by over 30%, so it's still a fair statement. Airport activity is also up. Arnott said in the past they've seen about 400 aircraft in a year. However, they filled 79 last month alone. About a year ago, Arnett reported that airport revenues were on the rise. He explained that before 2014, the airport used to bring in about 16% revenue of the operating cost, which was $63,389, and in 2020, they were up to 57.5%. The upward trajectory continued in 2021 with the revenue being $482,000, which is 88% of the airport's operating cost. In recent years, renovations with the help of grant monies that have been completed at the airport and are ongoing include replacing runway lights, replacing taxiway lights, replacing 10 hangar doors, rehabilitation of the main runway, a new fuel farm, rehabilitation of a taxiway, and they're currently finishing up rehabilitation of a 5-bay hangar and plan to construct a new 10-bay hangar in the not-so-distant future. They were also just approved for a $654,144 grant to redo the airport's Terminal Transient Aircraft apron. Essentially, we've rebuilt the airport in five years, says Arnott. Speaking of grants, the DOT announced one for $235 million last September that will be shared among eligible airports that are selected. Arnett said they put in a grant request for $15 million to redo the terminal and were recently informed that they are finalists. While it doesn't mean that they'll get it, Arnett expects an announcement of the grant recipients at the New York Aviation Management Association Convention on September 13th and 14th. The business aviation market continues to grow, Arnett explained, to the tune of 15% per year. With that expected to continue, the question is, where will those aircraft go? The dilemma, Arnett explains, is that business jets are having trouble finding place to put their hangars. As it turns out, the one place that has a 6,300-foot made-for-jet traffic runway also has 600 acres available, said or not, referring to the Sullivan County International Airport, which doesn't have the congested airspace of other Metroplex airports. People are beginning to notice us, he said. For more on what's going on at the airport, you can head to our website, scdemocratonline.com, or pick up a copy of the Tuesday or Friday issues this week at our office in Calicoon, New York. This has been the Sullivan County Democrat Podcast brought to you by the Kitchen Table Cafe in Calico, New York. We'll catch up with you again next week with the latest top stories.